This is the Ironside Podcast, number 68, with Tom Dinkelman and me, Brett Kane. Good evening, Tom. How's it going, buddy? Fantastic. They repainted the MRAP again. The armored vehicle had once been green, then tan, then black, and was now a light blue, complete with stenciled writing on the side like General Patton's ice cream truck. Protection at home for protection abroad. In his seat, Michael thought about the moving target that he rode in, wondering if the many layers of paint added any extra protection and the nonsense phrase that the marketing department came up with for them. The self-driving truck was a hodgepodge of replacement parts, welded sheets of scrap metals, a somewhat functional engine, and a guidance system based on maps that were 10 years out of date. That Michael put a good chunk of his pay into the truck, along with all the gear he carried, was typical of his team and throughout all the recruitment teams of Deluge Incorporated. Michael thought about the briefing they got earlier. Don't kill if you don't have to. If you need to shoot, try to wound them. Getting shot at does not permit you to shoot back. And that is a brief excerpt from a fantastic book entitled Automaton, and we are privileged to have the author himself, Mr. T.R. Hudson, with us today. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it, it's, a, it's quite an honor to be here, especially uh, episode number 68. I wonder who the lucky son of a gun who's going to be number 69 will be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I, you know, I, I was thinking about that. We'll have to, we'll have to do something. Uh, Are you going to record just again in the next couple of days? Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, draw me a gorilla and spinach bra because he's the. It's a meme book, so you have for the uh, for the meme uh, episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for for coming on. This is awesome. Obviously, we 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 read just a little bit, but it's a really strong beginning to Automaton. And you know, for those who haven't read it, you know, our, one of our friends, Aristophanes, who's been on the show, gave a, a sterling review, and it, it's got some chatter. It's, it's really timely. And that's the thing about these kinds of books. If, if you do them right, th- they are timeless. You know, I, I said you know, that uh, you know, H.G. Wells and, and uh, you know, all, all these other kind of dystopian, you know, uh, Aldous Huxley, uh, George Orwell, uh, all these people who have written in, in kind of this vein, it, you can still read them today and get so much out just as when they're written. And I, I think you you stack up to all those guys put together. So what what got you to this point? Jeez, that is that is I've been getting a lot of undue praise uh, in comparison to a lot of really legendary writers, uh, and you certainly compliment me uh, by even just putting my name next to those guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've just always, I've, I've always enjoyed stories though. It's funny. I did not read much as a child. Instead, I'm a, I'm a late in life reader. Uh, though I'm, I'm, I'm only in my twenties still, but, uh, you know, definitely within the last 10 years or so, I've really gotten into reading and that's been my, my habit and my addiction. Uh, I'm surrounded by way too many paperback books in my office at the moment um but but yeah I guess to your question uh it just it's sort of a need and a desire uh to uh 
I, I have all these, I have like this ADHD adult brain that I'm always thinking of, of different things. Like eat, a lot of people hate traffic. I actually enjoy it because I'm kind of alone with my thoughts, talking to myself, screaming at myself in the car. Uh, so I look like a crazy person and I probably am. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's definitely conducive to, you know, good writing. Uh, it's funny. Uh, there's a, a writer's group chat on, on Twitter that I believe both of you are in. Uh, maybe not, maybe not Tom, but I believe Brett you're in it. And uh, somebody asks like, uh, how do you do world building? And I'm like, Oh, you need to be schizo maxing. You need to be like living in a completely different reality and just have all these different things going on in your head and just be completely detached. Uh, and while I'm not completely detached, uh, it, it, I certainly feel like I'm living in a different world sometimes. I think that's awesome. And, and you're, you're totally right. That's what you need to be able to do. And, and I, I absolutely love that imagery because you, you really have to see this, this world as, as something that's, that's real, that you can step into and out of. And when you do that, and when you do that, well, your readers can experience the the same thing. There's a lot of chatter about uh, the Lord of the Rings with the new Amazon television program, and and we we had a Middle Earth mixer on on here last episode. And one of the things, obviously, the the books are better than all the movies, but uh, the Peter Jackson trilogy. There was a, a part where Sean Astin, who played the character of Samwise. And he was talking about his fight scene with uh, the spider Shelob. And people said, you know, when he was doing his blocking, because obviously there's no giant spider and people said, oh, the, your moves look great, but, but there's no, there's no spider, you know, there's no animatronic thing for you for a point of reference point. And uh, Sean Aston is like, no, there, there is a spider. I, I see the spider and and that's cool. I'm glad you talked about that. Like that's what happens when when you're in traffic. Have you always been able to do that? Like when you you started reading books, um, I know you said you started reading later in life, but do you have that ability to step into other worlds besides your own creation? Oh yeah, I'm a total 3D shape rotator. Uh, <laughs> just pondering the orb. I'm actually curious. You mentioned, and Brett just mentioned too, that you're a late in life reader. What all of a sudden changed? Because I, I was kind of the same way. I mean, it was, I, I read a little bit mostly because I had to. And then all of a sudden one day I was like, man, I'm going to pick up a book. And, and all of a sudden it was something I enjoyed. What changed for you? So I joined the army when I was 18. Uh, I served four years and then I got into, you know, thank, decent thank college. Service, I, trust me, I didn't do much. Uh, but I got into like a somewhat decent college somehow. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess I got to learn how to read. And I started picking stuff up. You know, I, I started picking up like, you know, I fell for the meme, you know, start with the Greeks. And that didn't really make much sense to me. But I found Ernest Hemingway uh, and a few others. And I was like, oh, OK, so like this doesn't have to be a chore all the time. And uh, yeah, it's since it's since grown into an obsession, not only reading, but writing. I think that Hemingway is, is such a, a good example. And, and again, it's one of those that you can pick up at any point and it's going to have uh, an impact on you. I, I started reading Hemingway when I was in middle school or whatever. And 
and and loved it and it means something different to me now than then and what i'm super impressed about is you know you're in your 20s and you've already written an awesome book one of the worst pieces of advice that i got from a writer that that i admired was to not try your hand at writing until at least age 40. And I was like, what the, cause, and he said, cause you don't know anything. I'm like the heck I don't, you know? Well, then um, you can write a book about not knowing anything. I mean, yeah. hell, like there, there are so many books that are just about not knowing jack shit. Uh, you know, immediately comes to mind. Uh, really the work of Ernest Hemingway in a lot of ways is about him kind of trying to figure out what manhood is. And I don't think he really understands it until, yeah, he's an old man and he writes old man in the sea that he, he actually has like a, a, a concrete understanding of what manhood is. Cause I mean, that, that was his shtick his entire life is like, he's this masculine writer and, you know, uh, I don't think he, truly got it until he was an old man but he wouldn't have gotten there if he didn't write you know his his works as his younger man you know so that's that's terrible advice uh, and i'm glad that you didn't follow it thanks so much man and and you too i'm i'm glad that that you're writing so what what was the process of writing automaton how did how did you get the idea obviously you're in the army so you have some frame of reference uh, if for, for some of the stuff that that goes on but how how did you did you, you storyboard this did you outline it or did it just come to you it it it, it all lives in my head rent free um it started out actually i wrote this the first short story that i ever put out there on substack was a couple of years old uh when i wrote it or when i posted it it had already i'd already had it written for, for the last few years just kind of sitting on my hard drive uh, called John Henry. Uh, that was meant to be one of three different POVs for what became Automaton. And it was going to be like this massive sprawling uh, book that what not only went across decades, but also like went across lifetimes for certain characters. And, and it centered around a family that was very much like my own. Um, and it just all became too much. So I kind of broke it up. So the F Automaton is one of three books. Uh, there's going to be a sequel that I'm, I've been putting off writing uh, for the last, well, since I published Automaton. Uh, and I've been trying to keep myself busy with, uh, with other things so that I wouldn't fall into a sophomore slump. Well, that's impressive. And because I, I know that that's a hard thing to do. You know, after my first book came out, I dove right in with my second. And after that came out, I, I definitely uh, got into a rut that was super comfortable. And, and now I'm like 99% uh, done with my third book. And everyone that I've talked to, like when I say I'm 99% done, they're like, okay, well then you're half finished <laughs> because yeah, there's, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> there's so much more to do on the tail end. Well, and I think that's cool that, that you have this trilogy in mind and automaton, like I, I think we do writers a disservice when we use the idea that the mark of a good story is when it gets adapted to film or television, because that's certainly not the case. Uh, but I think that's the metric a lot of, uh, a lot of people use, unfortunately, but automaton would make a great film. 
And uh, have, have you done any work or thought about doing an audio book version? I mean, I've thought about it. It's not something that, uh, that I, if I did it myself, I, it would take a few years. Uh, there's just a lot more things that I'd rather do. Uh, if somebody were to come up to me and be like, Hey, TR, do you want to, uh, or can I record this for you and, you know, make money off of it? Yeah, sure. You know, somebody, somebody could record the book and, and sell it as their own. Uh, and, I'd be, I'd be fine with that because I just, I like the idea of, you know, the fact that somebody would want to read my stuff is, you know, really cool. Uh, making money off of it is also really cool, but in some ways making money is pretty gay too. Uh, Agree. You know, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys have a podcast, so you guys are you're trying to make a little scratch off of this, but no, not, not, this oh, is no. like, oh, well, yeah, there you strictly, go, yeah, no, this is, we're uh, not monetized. Right no, oh, good, good for you guys. Cause that, that's really cool. Cause I feel like there's, you know, I mean, everybody calls everybody else a grifter these days. And I've had, I've had people uh, email me and say, Hey, you know, I don't want to use Amazon. I don't want to put my info out there. Can I just have a copy of your book and uh, like an ebook copy and I'll, you know, give you the equivalent amount of Bitcoin or whatever. And, you know, they, they never did. And I was like, Oh, whatever. I'd give away my book for free. Uh, if somebody hit me up. So that th there you go. If you, if you want my book, hit me up on Twitter and I'll give it to you. That's fine. I think you probably won't read it if I give it to you for free. I think there's a incentive to, to having it if you pay money for it. Um, and also, you know, it's, it's nice to have, you know, money to spend on other dissident literature books. Uh, and my wife won't get super mad at me uh, for spending way too much money on books. Uh, yeah, I mean, making money is pretty gay, but it's also really uh, necessary. It's a necessary yeah, unfortunately. yeah, well, and and I I can't think of a, a better pursuit, you know, it, to to make and spend money than than good stories, and and that's what what you've created. Um, you mentioned your wife. How how long have you been married? We've been married a couple of years now. Uh, nice. Not not too too long, but uh, we've known each other. Uh, we met in college, which is really cool. Uh, definitely the highlight of my college career, as it should be. And without getting you know too too close into the realm of doxing, can can you tell us a little bit about that courtship? Those, those are our favorite stories because we're obviously yeah, family so, ourselves. Yeah. So she and I met through a mutual friend at a party and I'm trying to, you know, make it as general as possible because anybody who hears this will know the story very well uh, if they know me, but um, she, she didn't really want me like anything to do with me. She thought I was, you know, dumb and kind of boisterous and rambunctious, which <laughs> I was, but I showed her that, uh, that there were there were more sides to this coin than uh, loud and obnoxious. And it for you, like was it obnoxious that age, though? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's 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 kind of the, that's kind of the rub because, like, I was in the army first, so I was also uh, a little bit more mature than your average college freshman, uh, and even I still wasn't. Uh, you know, that mature, you know, like 
the dating scene today, especially on apps and stuff. And I don't mean to go down a uh, rabbit hole, but uh, you know, you're competing with guys who are super well-established, who are uh, very mature, a lot of money, uh, who are just looking for, you know, younger and younger women. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's part of like the whole PUA movement is uh, spin plates as they say. And I, I know a couple PUA guys and they're, they're good dudes and I'm not going to, disparage them but it's definitely tough if you're a younger guy and you're you're looking to get serious in life uh, uh, curiosity what made you join the military uh i mean a few different reasons uh at that time i was you know a young idealistic american uh who you know believed in uh baseball and apple pie and uh, I one of like one of my earliest memories was 9-11 you know so that that definitely played into it and even though it was like a few like you know a decade or so removed from from 9-11 uh you know never they said never forget so I didn't and uh you know probably probably should have uh <laughs> what did you do in the army uh I worked with uh communications right on i think that's uh i think that's broad enough yes (laughs) absolutely and and you're an exceptionally great communicator i i i love that to my wife yeah there's a there's an episode the simpsons where there's a new story and it's about all these you know divorces happening and and homer's like everybody's marriage is falling apart except mine he's like you see the problem is communication and the camera kind of pans and he's obviously sitting on the couch and it shows his wife marge in the kitchen and homer shakes his hand he's like too much communication (laughs) Uh, oh i love the simpsons uh my buddy stained haynes and I just will go back and forth for a long time, just quoting the Simpsons at each other. Uh, shout out to Stained Haynes, by the way, at 718TV. He is, uh, he's probably one of the funniest dudes ever. And uh, he's also got a magazine. I'm going to shill throughout this whole yeah, thing. Please. Don't mind. Yeah, please. That's what uh, we're he here has, for. He has a magazine, Cars and Women magazine, uh, that I'm, uh, not only featured in the most recent issue coming out soon uh, on death, but I am also the senior senior editor of that issue. Uh, and the reason that I bring that up is because my profile picture on for that for that episode or for that issue rather is um, you know that episode of The Simpsons where they show a picture of Matt Groening, but he's like an old man with an eye patch and a pistol. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I chose that to represent me. <laughs> so, awesome. uh, so yeah, that's my, that's my tie in. That's rad. Well, I, let, let's talk a little bit about Automatonia. We've, we've got so, so much we can discuss, but for, for those, you know, who might not have read Aristophanes review, uh, who haven't picked up the book yet, what, what's your elevator pitch? You know, someone asked what, what's this about? What do you tell uh, them? Geez, that's really tough. Cause I don't even know at this point, I would say the story of a emotionally castrated mercenary who is sent on a mission to kill a scientist and has to confront the horrors of a broken, divided America in between. 
I think that is my elevator pitch. It's awesome. I, that paints a ton of pictures. Tom, you, hey, are you familiar with uh, you know Brave New World or yeah. 1984? Okay. I was going to ask what made you. What where did you come up with the idea? Well, I thought so, and I, I I preface this by saying that as far as military experiences go, I got off pretty light. There are some guys out there that are uh, they're really struggling. Um, but I came out of my experience in the army with, uh, kind of a cold detachment and I kind of went in with it as well. Um, just, just due to some stuff that happened in my childhood, but I now feel like I live almost in a snow globe a lot of the time where it's like, Oh, I can like see what happiness or anger or extreme sadness look like, but I can't actually like reach out and feel it. Um, and I, I thought about, uh, guys who go through post-traumatic stress and I thought, okay, what is the government solution to PTSD? Ah, we're just going to, you know, turn off emotion in their brain. Easy peasy. Uh, in, in fact, I think I, I definitely struck a nerve there because there's a, a new show out on Amazon called the terminalist, uh, based on a book by Jack Carr, which I just picked up. I haven't read it yet, but. Yeah, good books. I, I read all his books. Apparently, apparently the like one of the plot lines of that book is that his SEAL team, like the main character's SEAL team, was given a pharmaceutical that would uh, counteract uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and then and then things go wrong, and you know things go wrong for for Michael in Automaton too. So uh, very very weird how how in vogue that is. Yeah, and and I think that not only in vogue, but this is going to be something that is going to resonate with people, you know, forever. This is a great story. I mean, this is this is the kind of book that uh, kids in middle school are going to, you know, have for required reading someday. I one hundred percent. I don't think. That. I don't think that. I mean, I, it, I, my, I, yeah, hundred years my, from now, we'll see who's right. My my good friend Zero HP Lovecraft talks about how if somebody could find his work in a hundred years or whatever, it'd all be worth it. So I, I I definitely share that that sentiment, and I think he's a much better writer than me, and maybe people will find me through him, uh, just because he's been he's been a very kind uh, mentor and oh, promoter yeah. and friend for sure to all, to all of us. He he really has, and and it's good to see that you know someone who's so far along the path like him you know, we'll, we'll, you know, reach back for, you know, people like, like me and, and you, and I, I think you're a better writer than, than me. 100%. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, I, no, I, I actually, I have not read your book yet and it's on my to read list. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, so I apologize for no, not hey, being prepared. Hey, no, no, well, you, this, this is about you, brother. This is about yeah, T.R. Hudson and, and when Tomaton. you do read it, if you know Brett very well, you're like, oh, this is Brett. This is exact. <laughs> it, it is so, awesome. I, I'm curious. You said you mentioned that you kind of felt like living in a snow globe. Did you find that as you were writing these things, it was you were able to step outside of that a little bit more? Did it help with that process? That's, that's definitely the the process um we'll 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 see how i get through the third book uh but the uh i'm i'm very conscious of the fact that this is me trying to trying to work my way back home uh 
in fact, that that's the, uh, you know, I, I write to uh, my wife uh, that she brings me home. And, uh, and that's, that's at the beginning of the book. Um, and this is, this is definitely my attempt of trying to, uh, and not, not even like, just like in a really like feminine, have yourself like a girl's night cry type of thing, but even just get in touch with the emotions that I don't typically feel on a daily basis, just cause I don't feel human sometimes. Uh, and you know, you see the world today and you have like this transhuman ad agenda that people are pushing, uh, you know, get into the metaverse. Uh, soon we'll be, you know, adding machine parts to our bodies, uh, kind of like, uh, what is that? Cyber cyberpunk game, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, like where you can just augment yourself and become a cyborg and how it's, how it's cool to, to not be human anymore. And I'm just like, Oh, that's kind of the path that I'm walking down. I'd like to not be that. Uh, I could probably go into some very esoteric uh, things talking about that, but leave that for another time. Yeah, that'll, that'll be another episode. But, you know, it's funny. One of my favorite memes uh, on the interwebs is it's it's that little um, like captcha thing when when you're it's trying to authenticate <laughs> when you're logging in it says I am not a robot and then the little box you have to check and it's a picture of Harrison Ford and he's like staring at it like me like looking at this computer <laughs> screen like really considering whether or not um, like like tears and rain yeah <laughs> well and and like you were talking about how how that's kind of in vogue this this idea of being able to to turn off emotion and, and the effects of post-traumatic stress. And, and we've talked about, you know, 1984 and Brave New World, but one of the, I think the best dystopian novels out there uh, is The Giver. And, and that is, is another theme. And that's, you know, Lois Lowry. And that, that, that book is decades old. It's funny. I haven't read that. Um, it, it's like one of those required reading things that you're supposed to have read in school and I guess I just didn't um and if I did I don't remember it um you and me both yeah so it, it and yeah I want I want to pick up on what you're saying Brett because it's I'm sure that's an excellent point but you know uh no idea <laughs> yeah no 100 you guys should definitely read it the film is not bad either I didn't know there was a sequel to it because I, I the ending was... maybe it was pretty mad at the movie oh really she complains about it regularly. Yeah. My uh, my oldest daughter, she's sixteen. She she really hated the movie. She said it did not do it justice. So. Nice. That, that that's funny. I imagine you know you at the breakfast table, and you're like, okay, I hope you guys have a good day at school. You know, I really hated the Giver film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, now no, that it, I bring this up, it was just it was random point. It was dinner, not breakfast. But oh, you were okay. Close. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Yeah, yeah that that book. Um you know, was kind of formative to me because, you know, I've always loved redheads and, and, <laughs> and one of the first colors that, that he, the main character sees is red and it's this girl's hair and, and my wife is a redhead and, uh, you know, so it worked out, but I, back to automaton, you, you're dealing with some, some pretty heavy themes and, and, and there's some uh, intense action. What do you find is, the best piece of writing advice for someone who might struggle with uh, conveying these themes in, in a way that is 
approachable for people who who don't have experience in the military, for example, or who don't have experience with violence? Uh, and and what's a way of doing action well? Um, oh, geez, that's a really good question. I did a lot of research for this book. Um, drone warfare uh, features heavily throughout. And, you know, I'd watch, I, I'd seen some drone footage when I was in the army, but not like, I, that wasn't my, my gig. So I went out and I searched for, you know, what, what is drone warfare? What is, what are its tenants? I, I became kind of a subject matter expert on it, though I definitely wouldn't, uh, you know, go around calling myself that um, per se, just because there's a lot of pressure in, in being a quote unquote expert in things. Um but I, I know a lot about it at this point. Uh, and just seeing, you know, how, how detached um, the, the pilots can be, uh, just seeing, you know, there's, a, there's a, a person on the other end on the ground there uh, that is scattered, you know, for about 100 yards, let's say, uh, you know, foot there, hand there, head's gone completely. Uh, and it, it's this really grainy, almost like old CRT video game that you're staring at. Um, and then for, for more real violence, you know, I mean, they have snuff films and cartel videos all over the internet. And I'm not gonna suggest anybody go out and search that out unless you really want to uh, to be authentic. And I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that's terrible advice. <laughs> don't, don't, don't try that at home, kids. Uh, <laughs> Because it, it, you know, you stare into the abyss and the, the abyss stares into you. And you know, I'm sure in a lot of ways, I am not who I was when I started out this, uh, this endeavor. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good caution. I remember uh, as, a, as a teenager, uh, and this is like back in the, the early days of uh, YouTube, and I saw the the footage of uh saddam hussein being hung and i was like holy cow like that that was the, the was like the first person that i i'd seen die and yeah really really weird stuff and and it's getting it's i think desensitization is a, a bad thing i don't think that we should be you know able to not feel things obviously as men as husbands fathers we have to be capable of violence in order to protect our families uh, i think that's a really important thing but i don't think that we can ever relish it or, or seek it out undo you know it's a, it's a really fine rhythm that you have to strike and and i think your book does it so tastefully because that's hard to do because you know um my books they they deal with uh kidnapping they deal with uh, human trafficking these are are serious things but i i try not to be uh like a fuel station for nightmares you know it's like you you want to just like give a just enough to get people thinking without uh making them disgusted you know everyone likes uh, a, a steak not everyone wants to go to a slaughterhouse and, and see where it comes from yeah i think that's i think that's a really apt analogy um i kind of wish i could write happier stories uh, i think there is a, a dearth of 
happy endings and good feeling type things. Uh, especially like, so I entered in the passage prize. Uh, I actually, I got shortlisted for fiction, which was, you know, a, a big honor. Nice and job, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I might, uh, I might post it on my sub stack unless Lomez wants to do something with it. Um, I'm in no rush though, but one of the things that, uh, one of the, the criticisms that I've kind of heard of, of the passage prize, at least the first one that I think is being addressed in the second is, uh, you know, the first one, the topic was kind of a downer. It was more obsession with the longhouse than escape from the longhouse. Uh, you know, there's no, or at least there are very few happy warriors out there who are, you know, have a positive vision for, for the future. Uh, I don't, I definitely don't have one. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fiction writer. I, I write the nightmares that I have and, and stuff like that. Um, but there definitely needs to be like, there comes a point where whatever not this is and by not this i mean like the current year or you know whatever the heck is going on in the world uh that that's not sustainable you know uh man cannot survive on bread alone right uh there's there's got to be something that kind of inspires people and i think we're heading in that direction but there needs to be uh more positivity out there uh and that I, if i had a regret it would be that i'm not contributing to anything positive like positive feelings and, and uh motivation and stuff like that but you risk being cringe that way uh and <laughs> nobody wants to be cringe uh yeah that is not something that you have to worry about and and i respectfully i would i would push back on that because i i do think that you know, one, your stories are, are enjoyable and thank God they are not what we're actually living through. But what you're doing is a lot of people are like, man, how can I avoid these, these kind of scenarios, even on, on a small scale? So I, I think it is going to, to have a net positive effect. And it certainly has I, on me and, and your other readers. I, I want to, to ask what do you think is the best way for someone to start writing? You know, you mentioned Passage Prize and it was awesome. I, I was so grateful to, to even have something submitted. Uh, and, and now I, I think that this, the second round is going to be even more impactful. So the theme for this one is, is for the second one is rewilding. And I, I just love that idea. So where should, do you think someone who maybe has some, some writing experience and someone who has zero writing experience should start without necessarily writing just for this? Because I think a lot of people, they see a, a contest or they see an op opportunity and they, they want to tailor their writing specifically for this mm. thing, which leads to it not being authentic. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Substack is free. You know, like you can just, you can just put stuff out there. And I had the the biggest mental block for the longest time. It was like, oh, you know, if I put something out there, people are going to think it sucks. You know, I think it sucks. Uh, when I had like a hundred followers on Twitter, I had, I put two stories up and one of them I deleted because I didn't edit it properly. And I thought it was awful. And maybe I'll go back to it someday and, uh, and put it up there. Um, but yeah, I just, 
I, you're, you're always going to be your biggest critic in a lot of ways. And that's, that's for good and for bad. Um, <clears throat> I think if you're just starting out, you know, uh, there, there's a way to gamify it. You know, like I, I get really excited when I post something and then I get, you know, engagement or whatever. Uh, I get people who, who like my posts or I get people who, uh, you know, I, I think when I've, cause zero HP Lovecraft, again, he just, you know, he really boosted not only my book, but my first short story. Cause I didn't know who he was at first. Uh, I saw him on a, on a stream and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I could do that too. He seems like a personable guy, even though he sounds like a robot, but um, I'm, I'm sure that I could post something online. And I reached out to him. I didn't even see that he had like 70,000 followers, whatever. I created a Twitter account just to DM him and tell him that I thought that his work was good. And if he wouldn't mind reading something that I wrote and he was like, Oh, this is pretty good. I'm going to share it. And then boom, just this uh, like 800 some odd views on the story. And uh, I was like, Oh, okay, good. So I'm going to just do this from now on. Uh, don't be afraid to tell people that you like their work. You know, uh, I've had a, a few people, you know, DM me just saying, Hey man, I thought that this was really good or comments or uh, you know, whatever. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm networking or anything. Cause that's also pretty cringe, but this community, because it's small, because you have to be anonymous uh, for the most part, you really, uh, you really want to help each other out. So if you're just starting out, feel free to DM me. I'll read your work. I'll tell you what I think. Uh, and I'll kind of show you a few moves. Uh, one of the things that uh, me and a few friends did, uh, we started a workshop uh, that lasted for 10 weeks. I, I built a syllabus. I had everybody read and submit um, things. And then it kind of fell apart because uh, some life stuff happened on my end and it's something I want to revisit because I thought uh, I thought we we did some good work. Uh, a, a couple of your guests, I think, have been on uh, or were in it. Uh, uh, Please Call Me Christ was definitely uh, a big a big help. And one of the reasons that if the workshop succeeded at all, it was because of him and his efforts. Uh, yeah, um, I have I have all the time in the world for my friends. So if you're if you're struggling, if you're starting out, feel free to DM me, send me what you got, and if it's good, I'll boost it. If it's not, I'll show you why it's not. You know, there, there's tons of advice out there from tons of different sources that all that a lot of times will even contradict each other. How do you uh, sift through and decide which advice you want to take and which ones you don't? Oh, that's, yeah, you guys are, you guys are good at this. Uh, there's one, I mean, I've read a few books about writing before. Uh, I read Stephen King's on writing and that was so self-indulgent. Uh, I, I really don't like that man. Uh, no, he's evil. He's 100% <laughs> evil. I hate that dude. <laughs> uh, but I also, I also read uh, Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird and I really like that one. Uh, I have not yet read Ray Bradbury's Zen and the Art of Writing, but I have heard only good things about that book. Um, 
and I was also in a workshop. Uh, I was I was in a few workshops, and I trusted the the workshop leader uh, to kind of lead me down the right path. Um, unfortunately, we kind of lost touch, but I don't know. You read. I would say to be a good writer, you first kind of have to be a good reader. Um, so just read something, you know, if you really like Dickens or Dostoevsky or Hemingway or Ayn Rand or Thomas Pynchon or et cetera, et cetera, it's okay to write just like them at first before you kind of find your own style. Uh, the biggest influence for Automaton was Cormac McCarthy, you know, especially uh, The Road and uh, as, as well as uh, Blood Meridian and No Country for Old Men. You know, those, those three books uh, with their beautiful yet brutal uh, violence in them uh, just, you know, mesmerized me. And, you know, that and like, you know, Fallout New Vegas uh, has some really solid writing in it that I love. Uh, probably my favorite video game ever. Uh, I've, I've spent way too many hours kind of exploring the wasteland. And that definitely had a big impact on the book. So write what you like. Uh, and then, you know, you'll, you'll you will figure it out, whether you'll be good or great or terrible. You'll figure it out. That's not really an answer, but it's all. I've no, got. it's a great answer. No, hundred percent. And and I love that you brought that up because you know, like, I, I I don't play video games, but there there are interesting stories out there, and like I'll watch like just a, a YouTube video on like the of the cinematic cuts from games I'll never play, but because the story is really good, and and we keep coming back to to good stories, and that's been a theme of this podcast. And and you mentioned. Cormac McCarthy and when we had Gruntpa on, we we talked about Blood Meridian a lot. And and the road also is fantastic and no country for old men. And I I love that you know you you quoted scripture earlier when you said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. And the rest of that is but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I love that emphasis on the word. And we have written word, we have scripture, we have the words of God. And writing words, speaking words, that's an incredible thing. I mean, that that's one of the things that, that separates us from, from all other creation. And we're in a really unique period where the threshold for entry is so low for people who just want to write. And you've given some great advice and, and you talked about uh, subject matter expertise uh, on drone warfare, but you're also a, an expert on censorship during the Victorian writing age. And, and uh, we got actually got some questions from the interwebs on that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that kind of reflects what we're seeing nowadays? Right, yeah. So I bet this was PCM that, uh, that asked this question. Uh, I, I can neither I confirm nor deny I, that. I floated in the workshop and I kind of, I touched on this a few times, but in the Victorian era, you know, the sensibilities of the time made it so that certain stories couldn't be just outright told. One of them being, you know, um, rape. Uh, I don't, I don't know how family friendly this, this podcast is, so I don't want to, you know, uh, 
I don't want to do anything that would make you guys uncomfortable or make your listeners uncomfortable, but uh, rape was, it was definitely frowned upon, at least even just being talked about uh, in, in the 18th century. Uh, and when Bram Stoker writes Dracula, he's writing about rape uh, in a way that people understand what he's talking about without him having to say it. You know, he's, um, he's talking about, you know, this creepy old man who preys on younger women and ruins them for life and ruins their virtue um, and just puts them through this horrifying experience and they're, they're never the same again. Um, and I think about what's going on today and how we, even though we are, most of us are anonymous uh, who are doing this, and we can kind of say whatever we want. Uh, Zero HP Lovecraft is my is my gold standard when it comes to saying whatever the hell you want. Um, he he does that very well, but not everybody can be him or Delicious Tacos or uh, you know, shoot. There there's there's so many guys out there that just say whatever the hell they want and don't care what the mainstream and don't care that the mainstream won't engage with them. I'm wondering. You know, what if we try to, I guess, and this is almost subversive, like what if we try and subvert the subverters in a lot of ways? What if we write with themes that are clear as day to our guys while being normie friendly in a lot of ways? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether that's good, whether that's bad, uh, you know, it's, it's just an idea that I've been kind of playing around with because these, you know, Dracula wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the work that it is if it was just outright saying what it thought it was, if that makes sense. You know, if, if Dracula wasn't a vampire, if he was just a creepy old man preying on young women, uh, it'd be a worse version of Lolita written like a hundred years before that. Exactly. No, I, that's, that's really, really powerful. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think it's interesting that, you know, we, we've all become friends by means of the internet. And, and you mentioned how you know, networking is, is kind of a, a lame term, but, but the fact is that this has been so mutually supportive for us. And the thing about writing is it really is, it's not a zero sum game. I mean, we're all always going to be able to write. We're not going to run out of things to write about. And none of us are, are going to be pigeonholed in, in the kinds of stories we can tell because none of us are going to tell the exact same kind of story. And that's why I'm so glad that, that you're still writing. And, and I hope you keep writing for your entire life. And, and I think it's really cool because it, these kind of conversations are going to elicit ideas from other people who who they've got that novel idea. You know, Tom, he's a great writer, and his girls are all well read, and and one of his daughters is, it has this incredible idea. I think you know it would be right in line with Automaton too. Her her uh, novel idea has she written any more on that, Tom? Yeah, she, and and she's starting. Uh... Uh, NaNoWriMo here coming up. She loves that. And she says, I kind of missed a couple of things this last time, but she has every intention of getting through. That's um, awesome. Quite a few. So, but she's, yeah. She, and Tiara, she's, she's 16 years old and she's been working on it for a little while. She's gone through a couple of different drafts where her intentions are for it to be a series. And it's kind of a cool idea. It's about this, uh, 
it dystopian future uh, where when you commit a crime, instead of being sentenced, they just wipe your memories of everything. Oh, geez, that's that's really cool. So that's she's had she's had really the cool. idea for a couple of years. It's it, she's yeah, she's smart. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's going to be right up on on the shelf there with Automaton. And you know what? I I liked what you said earlier about you know just write what you like. One of the things I did when I was working on my first book is you can just take you know, a, a selection of your your text from your word processor, and there's a website that's that says like who do I write like or something like that, and you just plug in what you've written and it'll you know analyze it. And I write mysteries and, and it came out like Agatha Christie. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then now that my books have been published, they've been compared to the Jack Reacher series by Lee Child. They've been compared to Louis L'Amour, the, the uh, prolific Western author who I really like. Um, so there are, are all these things. And you know, we've talked about a lot of uh, the, these famous writers who your work uh, is evocative of. And, and I don't think that the comparison is unwarranted because you are a good writer. And, and I don't think people should worry about being compared to, to writers because it's not saying that, oh, you're just copying them because everyone's work is unique. And, and in fact, that's another question that we got from the interwebs from Aristophanes. And he, he says, I'd like to hear you, T.R. Hudson, talk about how personal themes from your life morph into plot elements in a book and what that mental process is like. And we've kind of touched on that, but how do you do that and still write uh, you know, a fiction, a fictional novel while plugging in real life things? Oh, geez. Uh, hmm. Well, first change the names, uh, especially if you want to stay anonymous on the internet. <laughs> And who knows, maybe I won't stay anonymous forever. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was was threatened with with doxing recently in a smaller account than than myself and probably the guys here, uh, which is which is scary. Uh, and you know, I, I talked to my wife about it, and she's like, "Well, you don't even really like your job. Uh, it'd probably be more freeing for you if uh, if that were to happen." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I mean, it would kind of ruin our lives, but I mean, there's there's a silver lining, I guess." <laughs> Um, so, so with that out of the way, I would say I have this, this weird thing where I have these very intense dreams and nightmares sometimes. Uh, one of the, one of the stories on my Substack I literally just called bad dream, uh, where it was me, uh, my wife like left to go to the store or something. And then I was, I hung myself in our closet and she came back to get her keys and she came upstairs cause she heard, you know, something going around and I'm like reaching out to her for help. Uh, and she just kind of stands there and, and watches me die and lets me die. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, but I thought, oh, that'd be a, a fun short story. And I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning after I had the dream and I wrote it and I put it down and I, I posted it right away. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, a lot of the times, a, a lot of the stuff that I, the, uh, I write about is either inspired by a dream I had or, you know, some, some real life stuff. Um, another story that I wrote called The Castle uh, was inspired by a homeless family that kind of 
uh, made made a, a temporary bedding uh, in front of my house one night. Uh, and I was going through the motions of, all right, what do I do? Do I go out there and confront them? Well, you know, I've got my family inside. What do I don't want to, you know, get immobilized and then leave them at risk. Well, do I call the police? You know, how many steps away am I from being them? Uh, and that, that ended up being a pretty good story. And I want to, I want a prize for that, uh, through antelope pill, uh, which was really cool. And I don't mean to, to brag and say how awesome I am by doing these different things. Oh, but, Hey, brag, brag away, brother. You deserve it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I, I schizomax, so I don't know what's real anymore. Uh, and the things that really do happen in real life, I'm just able to, uh, morph and change and make into, uh, add, add pathos to it, I guess. Uh, the, the recent story that I have in cars and women is about an old man at a funeral and he doesn't know why he's there because he has Alzheimer's, uh, and he's trying to piece together what the hell is going on. Uh, and that that's very much inspired uh, by some some real life happenings. Uh, so yeah, uh, I I don't really know if that's an answer either, uh, but that's that's what I got. I think it's great. No, you you've had great answers. I'm glad you brought up our, our friend uh, PCM because that that was one of the questions submitted. How about that PCM Christ? Oh, <laughs> and- <laughs> he's 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 a gem of a human being. Very well read, very kind, and a good writer to boot. And he doesn't believe so, but I think he is a, a very good writer. Indeed. Absolutely. And, and uh, we, we got another question uh, from AJ Bell on the interwebs. Who are some of your favorite writers and, and why? And I know we, we've mentioned uh, Hemingway and, and uh, Cormac McCarthy as well, but who else you got? Uh, I would hey, TR, Thank you so much, man. Thank you, Tom. Uh, enjoy your thing that you got to go do. I appreciate it. You, you guys have a good one. I look forward to listening to the rest of this. I would say that uh, staring at my bookshelf, John Williams uh, is is probably my favorite. But he, he wrote my favorite book, Stoner. Um, I think the mark of good literature is when you can have an engaging story where nothing happens. And, you know, not to say that nothing happens in, in Stoner, but you know, it's the story of kind of a, a shy academic and how he marries wrong and how his daughter grows up. Uh, it's just, it's not a very sexy plot, but it's just so compelling and it's written with such care uh, for not only the main character, but but all the characters. And it's written with a lot of empathy. And I, I really love that book. Um, I like Franz Kafka a lot. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Metamorphosis is, is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like, I, personally, I think The Trial is, is oh, my yeah. favorite of his yeah. works, uh, as well as uh, some of his other shorter works. Um, let's see. I don't know. I'm just staring at my bookshelf right now, trying to, I really liked Catch-22. I thought that that was, that was just, just great. All Quiet on the Western Front, also really good book. I like George Saunders. Uh like, you know, uh, there's there's this one book uh, by Carl Marlentes called Matterhorn, and it's about the Vietnam War, uh, and that that's a great book. Uh, 
Phil Cly uh, redeployment is a good collection of short stories. And I just picked up his second, his follow-up novel, Missionaries. Uh, shoot, I could probably go on for another hour on, <laughs> on books that I like. Uh, John le Carre yes. uh, and his spy novels. I mean, I yep. think they're, they're the best spy stuff in the world. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was actually quite sad when he died. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. No, it's a, that's a great list. I mean, and you're right. We could, we talk forever about that. We'll, we'll have to do another episode where we just uh, expound on the, on the virtues of all of our favorite writers. I, I want to ask, so, you know, you, you started reading later in life and was, was your childhood, like, were you read to as a kid? Did you have favorite kids books? Definitely not. Uh, I was a TV kid of the nineties. So I, I watched a lot of television uh, and that was, that was, that was my thing, but I was able to, you know, get some, some pretty cool stuff out of just television uh, and kept somewhat of an active imagination. Uh, thanks to uh, my, my younger brother as well. Uh, so, you know, he was, he was my companion, uh, my, uh, you know, my friend, cause I, I didn't, I had some friends growing up, but, uh, not, not too, too many, uh, for a variety of reasons. I was probably a little too awkward and weird, uh, for most people. And I, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have said this years ago, but you know, bullying probably works, uh, to an extent, <laughs> uh, it's definitely a, a popular opinion on Twitter, at least, which is somewhat ironic. Right. No, that, that is funny. And and I'm glad. And I think that's the mark of, of a, a great storyteller is, is you can see story in anywhere and get that inspiration. I, I remember my, my daughter, she just turned seven. And and when she was really little, loved the books. And then kind of like in that, the the uh, middle toddlerhood, you know, I was like, oh, I want to read the story to you. And she just, she wasn't interested. And then we got really into audiobooks. And it reminds me so much of me as a, a kid, because I'd have these uh, books on tape, like actual cassette tapes. And I would just listen to those every night to, to oh, that's funny. Too. I had, I had like black hot down on tape. Oh, that's it awesome. Put, it would put me to sleep. <laughs> like, with, like nothing else. If you, if I give you a pen or if I give you a microphone or if I give you a laptop computer or, you know, stone and, uh, and a chisel, you're going to tell a story, which I, I absolutely love because you do have a gift and, and that, that gift is God given. And so many of our friends have that talent and anyone can write. I'll say that you know, till my dying day, anybody can write and everybody should write. And some people are born with a great gift, a knack for it. And other people really have to develop it. Uh, but everybody's story is worth telling. And you know, we, that's one of the cool things is we have a lot of these classic authors that, that we've referenced, but in their day, I mean, it, it was hard to, to get published. It was, it was hard to write. It was expensive to print books and, and not a lot of people were even literate. And of course there, there's a literacy now, but Anybody can get a pack of loose leaf paper for a buck and everyone has pencil. Everyone has a word processor. I mean, like you said, Substack is free. People can write on their phones for crying out loud. 
people people say all the time as uh, as kind of a, a meme uh, this site is free and just just the most insane things possible uh when are posted and that's for good and for bad um it's it's funny that you mentioned that anybody can can tell a story because for whatever reason this norm mcdonald joke kind of popped into my head uh he he and some other writer for the den uh not dennis leary uh whatever some some show right um now it's gonna bother me that i don't get his name uh he was we'll the think weekend, of it yeah the weekend i've got update guy before norm whatever it doesn't matter i'll google it later and somebody will you know write in the comments oh, tr you fucking idiot it's this guy um Dennis Miller. There you go. All right. Good job, brain. Um, I know. I wish this was like the Joe Rogan show. We just had, Hey Jamie, look that up. Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey Tom, Tom, why did Tom leave? He, he could have pulled that up. Uh, no, but he would, so he and this other writer go to Robert McKee's story class or whatever. And, you know, Robert McKee is like this famous screenwriter. He wrote the book story. Um, he's written a few different books and he's, you know, fairly well known uh the the movie adaptation with nicholas cage uh has him in it as well as a character um and you know he's talking he you know norm talks about uh because i love norm mcdonald and that'll be my last little tangent before i actually get to the story uh norm talks about how mckee says oh any story can be compelling you know uh, there could be uh, uh, somebody who talks about the death of a child and it's boring. And there could be somebody who talks about, you know, being late for the bus and that's compelling. And Norm goes, imagine going up to somebody who lost their kid and say, you know, Jill, uh, that story is kind of a bore. You know, you should hear Stacy tell the, the bus stop story. That's a great story. You know, and that, uh, that just really makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know why uh, that came up, but it did. I love Norm Macdonald too, so I'm, I'm I am glad you brought him up. Let me ask you this: When you are writing, do you have the the end in mind? Obviously, the, this particular trilogy, you've got a, a, some pretty clear story beats in mind. But when when you're in the act of writing, are you consciously going back and editing? Are you looking at the word count? Are you just trying to get a certain number of pages written down per day? What's that like? I should be doing those things. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, to go back to, to Bradbury, he talks about it almost being like a habit. You know, you write so-and-so many words a day, even if it's shit. Um, you can throw it out. You can, you, can, you know, uh, white out. You can delete whatever you can salvage anything with enough editing, but the, the act of putting it down on paper or on screen or whatever, uh, is important. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I write when I feel like it, which isn't great, but I've also been, you know, in the last, I've, I've been doing this for about a year and I've been pretty prolific. Uh, at, at least as far I've been doing this, um, posting online pretty regularly uh the book has been in the works for like three years uh, on and off uh so i'm pretty i'm pretty good at uh getting stuff out there 
I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh man, I could be, I could be working right now. I could be writing and there's this anxiety. And then I think, you know, there's some people that don't really post much and I, I post pretty regularly, usually about a story a month. So I'm good. Uh, you know, just, I'll, I'll let it flow whenever, uh, it's definitely different for different people, but sometimes I'm like, oh, this is a 4,000 word chapter. Maybe I should make all my chapters 4,000 words. And then the next word, uh, chapters like 1500 words. I'm like, oh no, I should, I need to make more things happen. More things need to be shoved into this thing. And that's not good. Uh, Self, self-consciousness is, is necessary in writing. Otherwise, you're kind of a narcissist going off and sounding, you know, like a narcissist. Uh, but also too much, too much self-doubt and too much self-loathing, which is common with writers, um, is, is paralyzing. And maybe I'm a little paralyzed right now because... Maybe I don't think that my book is very good and I think the next one could be bad. You always think that your work could be better. You're never finished with it. You're just, it's always at a, when you submit something, when you publish, it is always at a stage of good enough. I just can't see this thing anymore. It's like the the sum of all fears. And if I look at it anymore, I'm just going to break down. And that's when you hit submit. Uh, (laughs) at least that that's my process uh hopefully hopefully not everybody but i suspect more than a few i totally agree it's interesting too and i i'm glad you talked about just posting online and and obviously the the internet can can be a trap like so many things but again i'm i'm super grateful that that you and i met through it and and all of our other friends that that we've mentioned and I think that one of the things that contributes to that sense of paralysis is especially for me is that fear of missing out. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a job where I, I can't you know, be on my phone consistently. And so I'll, I'll miss some of your posts or some of our friends posts and there's really good threads and hopefully I'll see them. And, and I, I feel bad that I'm not liking and reposting and sharing and, and bookmarking all these things, but you're, you're never going to be able to, to gather everything. You're not going to be able to pick all the berries in, in, in the patch, you know, but you just want to fill up your basket. And I think that that will help people get over that paralysis is not feeling that, um, you know, that compulsion to see everything and do everything. You know, you, you just have to do enough. And I think, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. What's really cool about this space, again, is just there's a lot of generosity and a lot of goodwill um, to a supposedly hateful, awful movement. Uh, uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the absolute gems of this space is, and I, I, I use that because, you know, gems are shiny and also uh, worth a lot. Uh, Raw Egg Nationalist is just a fantastic human being. Uh, who's his, his magazine man's world uh, gave me a shot very early on when I wrote like an article about baseball and the movie field of dreams and how it's good and Moneyball is bad. And, you know, like the guys, the guys from England, you know, he his, his concept of baseball is much different than the American sensibility, but you know, he, he put it in an issue of man's world. He, he posted uh, PCM, 
he, he it's just a lot of guys who are just starting out he has boosted and that's very noble and you know uh the the central figure that i haven't really touched on but who is very much uh hovering over all of us in a lot of ways is bap and his his book bronze age mindset uh is remarkable in in so many different ways um mostly because it's yeah there you go you're holding it up and i've got mine not 10 feet away um but his his book is so remarkable because it's written in the most broken english uh and that's really hard to do especially in the in the time of uh spell check grammar check uh you can i i sometimes post what i've got in this app called hemingway editor where it will show you, oh, this can. This is how you can make your sentence more readable, and this is how you can make it so that a first grader can read this and dumb it down. And he, his book is almost the opposite of that. Like you have to understand what he's saying to really get what he's saying. It's not spelled out, and it's actually, um, it's written like a caveman would write it, but it's also. The, tr the truths are so true that a caveman saying it is just as profound as, say, like Cicero saying it, you know? Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the mark of a, a great writer is, can this make sense without grammar <laughs> or punctuation? And uh, McCarthy is very much the same way, where he's very minimalist in his punctuation, and sometimes you don't know who's talking, but he's able to weave it in a way that you kind of understand um and you know zero hp lovecraft the same way i'm gonna keep you know gassing these people up because they really do deserve all the praise in the world but uh he writes a story about with with um, literal emojis in them and and it makes sense and he has like this emoji hieroglyphic hieroglyphic language kind of sorted out and that's going above and beyond and that's it's rule breaking and that's interesting and it's it, it's just not done anymore or it's not done today and it should be but it takes a very special kind of person to see to to push those limits uh and i'm i'm very thankful to have interacted with these gentlemen absolutely and and i i know they feel the same about you and and i'm so grateful for them and it, i was kind of thinking about that because if if you look back and like lord byron he he, he was uh considered you know pretty uh pretty risque you know um and it, it's funny because that that kind of era everyone was unique but it, it's very distinctive and and i think a lot about like writers of previous generations you know we talked about the victorian age for example uh, and and our friend uh, conan esquire he does a, a great thread on on robert louis stevenson uh, that we'll have to plug but it, it's almost like writers of bygone eras were all boxers and there's tons of unorthodox styles and and no two boxers are exactly the same but they were all boxing and now you know we we have like bronze age mindset and zero uh, mindset and zero hp uh lovecraft and, and and you and all these different writers and and we're kind of all in the same orbits but we're all 
vastly different. So it's no longer just boxing, you know, it's mixed martial arts and, and there's, you know, conventions being broken left and right. And I think it's a, it's a really exciting age for writers. And, and that's why I'm so glad that you're at the tip of the spear on that. Um, one last question, how can people support you? I know you, you said you, you'd give your book away, but, but I think everyone should go out and buy Automaton. So how can people support the work you're doing? Yeah, so uh, subscribe to my Substack. It's it's a free Substack. Um, I post maybe a story a month or or something, or at least I try to. Um, I just hit 150 subscribers not too long ago, which is you know a big deal for me because yeah, congratulations, man. You know, I, again, I came into this with with no expectations uh, that that I've done anything at all that, um, you know, I fit any sort of metrics or whatever, uh, is, is really good. Uh, and I'm very proud of what I've done so far and what I'll do in the future. Um, you know, get a copy of my book. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can find it, um, on my, I've got it pinned to my, my Twitter page, you know, give me a follow on Twitter or, you know, a DM if you like the book, if you don't like the book, whatever. Uh, I've, I've gone to war with Goodreads, uh, because, you know, <laughs> you, you search for me and you get, um, almost like twilight fan fiction first, which is annoying. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's what's popular and it, it's funny. I, I made a post like, Hey, uh, I'm, I declare war on Goodreads. And then I, I had like a three points my book had a 3.6 or whatever. And then the next day I check after I made the post and, you know, it had some engagement and I'm like at a 2.9. I'm like, oh, you guys are a bunch of comedians, huh? Uh, which is you know, really funny. Um, but yeah, go ahead, leave a, leave a review of the book. And, you know, even if it's not your cup of tea, maybe it's somebody that, you know, uh, maybe they'll like it. Uh, and if you don't like it, if you read my stuff and you don't like it, uh, feel free to message me and just kind of say why, you know, I'm, open to uh, I'm open to getting better uh, and if I think that your criticism is warranted uh, I got some really good feedback like hey uh, you know you, you, you use way too much dialogue and I'm like yeah I kind of do do that don't I? I I should really start setting a scene a little bit better otherwise it's just two voices talking at nothing uh, which can be annoying uh, so so there's that um, otherwise that's about it. Uh, there's a lot of ways you could support me. Uh, and you, you should support my friends too, because most of them are good writers. Uh, there are some guys like Dan Baltic who are not, I'm just kidding. Dan is a fantastic, <laughs> uh, Dan is a fantastic writer. Uh, he, his debut novel is coming out soon and he also runs a, a podcast called new Write, and you guys should collab, uh, at some point. Cause you guys are probably two of the bigger, dissident right literary podcast oh awesome well that, that's a supreme compliment thank you I, I would absolutely love to so thank you for for making the suggestion i'll i'll put you guys in a group chat or something and make it happen and they can be number 69 because they're great guys uh, dan, <laughs> dan and matt and you you and tom are great too and uh i i like to i really like that this this whole scene is growing um there, there's more podcasts now than there were a year ago and there's going to be more next year uh there's more prizes more publications more more writers and 
I thought about writing this this um, article for IM seventeen seventy six. I even I messaged met uh mark granza about it uh, i was like hey you know i i have this pitch about uh, a letter to dissident writers and how we need to you know like formalize the movement and then i started thinking about that a little bit more i'm like no that's really gay uh and i scrapped it because <laughs> uh we don't need to formalize anything in fact uh anything that does come will come organically and that's the best way for these things to go uh, so if, if Mark, if you're listening, ignore my DM and, uh, continue <laughs> putting out a high quality product. <laughs> Amen, dude. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for your example. Thank you for, for telling good stories, man, that I, you've given us such a gift, not only by your work, but your friendship and, and you've definitely inspired me to be a better writer. So, so thank you. And, and I know I'm speaking for, for thousands listening. In fact, tens of thousands, millions, our million listeners out there are, are grateful for you, bro. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of, and I look up to you. So thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? Uh, as, as Lomez once said, uh, nothing good comes or I'm going to butcher this quote, but don't, don't be afraid to risk being cringe because only through maybe being cringe will you find something really cool. Uh, so I'm afraid of being cringe, but you know, and sometimes I am, uh, I put, I put my passage prize poem up there and that's definitely cringe. Um, oh, I should do that. I should post mine too. It's probably oh, cringe yeah. also. It's so, I mean, uh, <laughs> Moldbug, Moldbug didn't even give me like feedback. He was just like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what this is trying to be. So don't, don't worry about being cringe because what is cringe will fall away. And what is, you know, good will, will go into eternity, I guess. That's right. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you again. And, and thank you listeners and make sure you're writing stories Follow all of our friends that we've mentioned on Twitter. I'm going to tag them all on here and pick up T.R. Hudson's book, Automaton, and stay tuned uh, for the rest of the trilogy. And until next time, this has been Tom and Brett and T.R. Hudson out. <laughs>